0: We are, like I mentioned earlier, continuing our sermon series, Find Your Place in God's Story. In this series, we are using the life of Abraham and the book of Genesis to give us insight and clarity on how God will continue to use us in the greatest story that's ever been written. This morning, I want to talk to you about something that is seen countlessly in Abraham's story, and I'm guessing. Is seen countlessly in your story as well. Today, I want to talk to you about failure. Failure. Specifically, the fear of failure. You see, everybody hates to fail, am I right? Like, failing presents, for some people, such a psychological threat that they have a stronger motivation to avoid failure than they do to succeed. The fear of failure, it causes some people to actually, actually subconsciously sabotage their chances of success because of their fear of failure. So to bring this to home, to you, I looked up a quiz that you can use to self-diagnose yourself. Do I have, do I experience all the time or sometime the fear of failure? Eight questions. I'm going to read those questions out loud and you just do a little mental game with yourself to figure out if this is relevant for you. Question number one, do you constantly worry about what other people think of you? Question number two, do you worry about your ability to pursue the future that you desire? Might be a fear of failure. Question number three, do you worry that people will lose interest in you? I'm experiencing that right now. Uh, Question number four, (laughs) question number four, are you constantly thinking about how smart or how capable you are? Question number five, do you tend to tell people beforehand that you don't expect to succeed in order to lower their expectations of you? Question number six, do you often get last-minute headaches, stomach aches, other physical symptoms that prevent you from completing your preparation of a task? Two more. Question number seven. Do you often get distracted by tasks that prevent you from completing your preparation which, in hindsight, were not as urgent as they seemed at the time? And then question number eight. Do you tend to procrastinate or to run out of time to complete your preparation adequately? The fear of failure. It's alive and I imagine it's present in this room. What a Mother's Day sermon, right? (laughs) Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers in here. I said we would do a special presentation. I will bring it back into our lesson. But first, we have some lovely kiddos in the back that want to recognize our mothers today. So if you are a mother or have played the motherly role in your life and want to be recognized as a mother, all you need to do is, quote by memory, your favorite Bible verse, and we will get you. I'm just kidding. You just have to raise just have to raise your hand. See, it's so much simpler than that. You just raise your hand, and kiddos, come on down and start passing those flowers out. We're going to get you a flower in your hand, and while we do that, can we just give it up for our moms? Can we just give it up for them? Yeah. Thank you, mothers, for the sacrifices that you have made to get all of us here. We could not, we literally could not have done it without you we are so thankful for our moms. We want to recognize our moms. We want to recognize you every time of the year, but specifically this one. And those who uh, that haven't had biological children, you need to be recognized as well because you play a role. You play a role in this church, in our community, in the lives of those under you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. While they're passing that out, just keep your hand up. I'm not going to count this as your answer, but moms, let me talk to you. Have you ever had a fear of failure, mom? I heard, of course, <laughs> of course you have, right? I have never met a mom. We got some over here, over here on the, my left, your right, that needs some flowers over here in the front. I have never met a mom who thought they were doing everything right at all times. The fear of failure, it's alive. And it's not just relevant to those who are parents. You may stay single. We still got some over here on the very far side. Yeah, let's make sure we get them some. They've been so patient, their hands are getting tired. Thank you. You may stay single your entire life because you are afraid of being rejected. You may never share the story of Jesus with your neighbors because you're afraid of what they might think of you. You may never speak up about an injustice happening in your office because your job supersedes your morals. The fear of failure. It's alive. It creeps into our lives. It controls what we do. And it's having detrimental consequences on your part in the greatest story ever written. We want to make sure we get all of those flowers passed out. See, before we dive into the fear of failure, I want to move us into the story of Abraham, real quick. We still got one right here, up here in the front. Have you got any more flowers? sacrifice your flowers. If we don't have any flowers, we'll get you some. We have a lot of people here this morning that we're so grateful for. We just weren't prepared to have so many people here. We're going to try to get you flowers. If not, we'll, we'll ship you a flower. We'll deliver it. We'll hand deliver it to you, and we're so sorry. Yeah, I've got some more right here in the middle. There we go. Give it up for our kids. Thank you, kiddos. Y'all did such a good job. I think you, got almost everybody. We got one more, maybe? One more? They're pointing. We'll get them. Doing so great. Mello, look at him. All right. We're going to keep moving. Before we address this fear of failure head-on, I want to move us into the story of Abraham. I want to remind us that this book, this book that we read every day, that we hold with such value in our life, it's not a book of perfection. What I mean is it's not a book filled of unobtainable faith. This book, all the pages and the characters that are in it, this book is filled with people who are just like you, who are just like me, who experience failure, who have the fear of failure, who are alive and lived and experience what every single one of us does. And one of the key characters is this person of Abraham that we're looking at. In fact, he might be considered the key character in the Old Testament. He's often referred to and referenced in the New Testament, he set up as this example of a man who is, walks with God and in good relationship with God. Even more importantly, he's set up as an example of a man of faith, of faith. But that wasn't an automatic achievement for Abraham, and that is what I want to dive in with you today. You see, if you were to pick up the Bible, maybe for some of you for the very first time in a long time, and you were to start at the very beginning of the book, you would get to Genesis chapter 1, And you start reading through the Bible, you're going to read about God's relationship with his creation, with humanity. You're going to read about Adam and Eve and this covenant, this partnership they had with God, but they rebelled. And their offspring, their children, weren't much better. Cain rises up out of a fit of jealousy and kills his brother Abel. Humanity continues to multiply and it continues to spiral out of control, so much so that God as the creator who has the right to do this says, "Let's clean the slate in the flood." He focuses and saves us one family, the line of Noah. They populate, and we're back to where we started. Rebellion. And what you begin to read throughout the story is that man's heart seems to be slated towards evil and greediness and selfishness, and it's just a, a deadly cycle that we keep reading about. And that's just the 11 first 11 chapters of the book. We read about all of that in the first 11 chapters, but something happens in chapter 12 of the book of Genesis. The story shifts from God working on a large scale with humanity to God focusing his actions to a very specific family, and that's where we encounter a man named Abram. Later, his name will be changed to Abraham. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But as Tracy introduced to us last week, God gives Abram, this man named Abram, a promise. He gives him a promise. I want to break that promise down into three very simple parts. The first part of the promise is that Abraham, Abram, would be a great nation. That through him a people group would rise up and they would be a great nation, The second part of that promise is that Abram's offspring, his children and their children, they would possess the land of Canaan. Later on, this would be referred to as the promised land. They would possess that. And then number three of that promise is that Abraham will be blessed and through him all of the nations of the earth will be blessed as well. So what does Abram do with that promise? Well, he believes it. In fact, the Bible records this as one of Abraham's greatest acts as he believed this promise. Tracy's going to dive into that part of our story in chapter 15 in more depth. He's going to super hyper-focus in on it because it is extremely important for our story. But that's not what we're going to do here to the mor- this morning. No, we've got to wade our way, we have to drudge our way through the muck because that trust didn't come naturally. It wasn't an easy thing for Abraham. For one thing, Abraham didn't have any children of his own at the time of receiving this promise, an already very old man. And God promises this man named Abram, whose name literally means exalted father, a painful reminder of where he lacked, and, Ab- and God promises this man, whose name is Exalted Father, that yes, you will one day have children. He even brings them outside and says, hey, look at the stars. And in a non-light polluted area, there was a lot of stars to be seen in the sky. It says, your offspring will number the stars in the sky. In fact, I'm going to even change your name from Abraham- Abram, Exalted Father, to Abraham, the father of many. And throughout all of this, Abraham remains childless. He has to wait. And in that waiting period, Abraham took a lot of risks. He experienced a lot of failures. He was taught a lot of patience and he persevered despite all of the odds stacked against him. Why did he do it? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Because it's the same reason that you shouldn't fear failure why you should be taking risks for the glory of God and the benefit of those around you. Here's the bottom line. Here's what I want us to walk away from knowing today is you never please God by playing it safe. Follow me on this logic. If you don't take any risks, then you don't need any faith. And if you don't have any faith, then at that point you are living unfaithful. Let me say it a different way. If you are not risking anything for the glory of God and the benefit of those around you, then you don't depend on faith. You simply are depending on yourself. And that is the definition of unfaithfulness. God created you to make a difference, not just to live for yourself. And this isn't a self-help sermon to make you feel better about yourself. It's actually the opposite. Like you need to be so far outside of your limits that it's only because of what God is doing in your life that you're able to achieve the things that you're reaching for. And so I hope, I hope, with all of that prologue, you're seeing why the fear of failure is something we have to address. We have to address it. And what I want to do is I want to use Abraham's story and I want to identify four truths. Four truths. We're just going to do an overview of Abraham's story. Four truths for why and how you can harness failure in your life and not be paralyzed by it. Four truths that will help you harness the failure in your life, not be paralyzed by it. Let's just dive right in. Truth number one. Abraham failed in many ways because he is human. And guess what? You're human too. In fact, 99.9% of all of humanity has failed. Jesus messed up our odds there. He, He got it right. But the rest of us, we can join the loser group. We're, we're first in line, right? Think about this. This is a fun little exercise whenever I'm watching professional sports. You are considered a superstar, a superstar, if you can hit seven out of ten balls when you are up to bat in the MLB. Seven out of ten. Or if you're watching the NBA, if you're an NBA guy like me and you're watching the finals right now, at the free throw line, there's literally nobody guarding you you, it's just you and the basket and a bunch of people yelling at you to miss. I mean, that's the only pressure you have. And if you can hit seven out of ten balls, you're considered a superstar in the NBA. You know what that means? Is that, is that athletes who have trained their entire life to do this one thing, they're up to bat and they swing and they whiff. <laughs> they, they're at the rim, they're at the, the line and they shoot and they don't even hit the rim. Why? Because they're human, and they fail, just like everybody else in this room. Let me show you something in Abraham's story. Chapter 12, I just introduced chapter 12 to us. Verse 1, this is our true introduction to this this guy named Abraham. This is our true introduction to him, and you want to see how he's introduced? You may have missed it your entire life. This is why this is meditative literature. We go back and read it. Check this out. I'll put it up here on the verse. Now, the Lord said to Abram, this is before our name change, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. That's the request. Go and leave everything and trust me. Verse two, here's the promise that we've already broken down today. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. A big demand and a big reward. God needs Abram to leave everything behind. Leave the country that he's most familiar with. Leave his family that he's most connected with. Leave it all behind because God says, I need to know that you can trust me solely. That you can leave all of your ties behind and you can trust me. Can you do it, Abram? Well, let's see how he does. Verse 4. I highlighted the point I want you to see. So Abraham went as the father had told him, as the Lord had told him, okay, doing pretty good. And his nephew Lot went with him. It's subtle. The author doesn't make a big point of pointing it out to you, but this is a foreshadowing of the tightrope of the faithfulness God will have or Abraham will have with God. This is how Abraham is introduced to us as readers. Right off the bat, he can't even get it completely right. And looking at the life of Abraham, you can find plenty of failures. Check this one out if you haven't heard this. On two occasions, two occasions, Abraham is with his wife Sarah. He's scared that his life is in danger, that they're going to steal his wife and kill him. He says, oh no, it's not, she's not my wife, she's my sister, She's my sister. Hey guys, try that out at lunch today. You let me know if that was a failure. I'm just saying, Mother's Day, don't do that. Any other day but today, don't do it today. But you get my point. Two times, two times, he failed. The same fail. Abraham failed in many ways because he is human and so are you. We are human, we fail. And there is no avoiding failure if you're doing something worthwhile. Let me say it again there is no avoiding failure if you are doing something worthwhile. Luckily, Abraham failed often, but he didn't quit pursuing God, which leads us to our second truth. For Abraham, no failure was final until he gave up. I said earlier that the fear of failure is actually more detrimental to your life and your walk with God than the failure itself. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Failure is not terminal. Failure, in most cases, it won't kill you. In fact, failure oftentimes is a one-time occurrence. Like you're walking through life, you're doing something, you fail. It's a hiccup, it's a roadblock, you step over it, and you keep going. Life goes on. Half the people around you don't even know that you failed. But the fear of failure is like poison in our system. It corrodes our trust in something beyond us. The fear of failure lives on in your mind indefinitely if you allow it. And you relive the fear of failure every day, every hour, every moment, and it only wins whenever you give in to it, whenever you give up. Let's revisit Abraham's story real quick. The time Abraham gave up bred some of the most detrimental consequences in his life. God has promised, as we've already established, God promises this very old man a child. You will have a child. I will give you a child. And Abraham believes him for a while, but gets tired of waiting. He's tired of not having these children that number the stars. And so his wife, Sarah, she, she suggests to Abraham, "Hey, we could have a child, maybe not through me, but we could have it through my servant." Hagar. And maybe because they were tired of thinking, tired of waiting on God, maybe they were thinking they could fulfill God's plan for him. Have you ever been there in life? It's like, I know what God wants for my life, but I'll just kind of take the reins from here and do it for him. And Abraham listens to his wife's suggestion. They have a child with Hagar, which snowballs into disaster. Abraham and Sarah, they grew tired of their failure to conceive a child. They grew tired of waiting on God's timing, and they gave up on waiting. And they took matters into their own hands. And luckily, by God's grace, the story doesn't end there. In stories like this, and stories that are all throughout our Bible, in my own experience, it, it always brings up in the back of my head one of my favorite Proverbs. Proverbs 24, verse 16. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. A mini sermon. Mini sermon. Here you go. Point number one. You know what I learned from that verse? is that even good people fail. Point number two, even good people fail often. And point number three, what makes a person good, what makes them righteous, is not the number of times they fail, but the number of times they don't give up. And Abraham will be considered as righteous by God himself in chapter 15. That's the chapter Tracy's going to focus in on next week. But not despite, or despite, the track record of failures that he's experienced in his life. Let me talk to you about another guy who didn't allow failure to define him. You, you likely know him. I'll start his story whenever he was a boy and experienced failure. At age seven years old, seven years old, his family was kicked out of their home and the seven-year-old had to go into the workforce to start putting food on his family's table. Two years later, at the age of nine, his mother passed away. Later on in life, he joined a business with some of his friends at age 23, and the business went under. Age 24, this man ran for state legislator, and he lost. At age 24, he also lost his job, and he also tried to get into law school, and they rejected him. At age 25, it was one of his biggest failures. He borrowed money for a business from one of his friends, ended up going bankrupt. He spent 17 years of his life paying off that debt. At age 27, he was engaged to be married to his sweetheart and she passed away. At age 28, probably because of that, he had a total nervous breakdown, was in bed for six months. At age 30, he sought to become the Speaker of the State Legislature. He lost. At age 32, he sought to become Elector. He lost. At age 35, he ran for Congress. He lost. At age 40, he re ran for Congress. He lost. At age 41, he sought the job of land officer in his own state, and he lost. At age 46, he ran for Senate of the United States. He lost. At age 48, he ran for the vice presidency nomination. He got 100 votes, which, which correlates that he lost. At age 50, he ran for U.S. Senate again, and he lost Again. It wasn't until age 52 that he was elected as the 16th President of the United States, that is Abraham Lincoln, the critical who played a critical role in human history for unifying the union and the liberation of all humans regardless of their skin color. And this unique list is one of Lincoln's greatest qualities, his humanness. My greatest concern is not whether you have failed, he once said but whether you are content with your failures. You don't know what the future has in store for you. All of your past failures could just be the prologue for what God has in store for your life, and failure is not the worst thing that could happen to you. And both of these Abrahams, they failed multiple times, but they didn't allow their failure to be final, and neither did God. Which brings us to the third truth, is that Abraham's failure was often his path to success. You know, this is a worldview shift that we have to have, a failure as a roadblock that we have to kind of get around. I don't think failure is a roadblock. In fact, I think failure is the doorway to success. Nobody succeeds in life unless they have experienced some level of failure along the way. You want to know one of the most memorable stories of Abraham? If you haven't heard anything of Abraham, you likely know the story of him in chapter 22 nearly sacrificing his son Isaac. This promised son that he's waited so long to get, that God has promised him he would get, and he got it. He got Isaac, and now God said, now you have to give him back to me. Let's see if you're willing to give him back. And the question that's always been in the back of my mind, when I read that story, why was Abraham willing to do it? Especially when I became a father, I asked this question, why was Abraham willing to do it? I think, in part, it's because of what we're talking about here. Because Abraham finally learned from all of his past failures that not trusting in God, despite how crazy the ask might be, not trusting in God always left him worst off. All of Abraham's failures to trust God, they culminated into this ultimate moment of trust and it opened the doors to God's blessing. God said, I need, to tr- I need you to trust me, to not depend on anything else but me. Are you willing to give it back? And Abraham said, I am, because I trust you. And God says, I don't actually want your son. You keep him. All I wanted was your trust. And it opened the door to the blessings that Abraham would experience in his life. I'm privileged to have an intern for our youth every summer. In fact, Bryce will be here next Sunday. We get to celebrate with her. Thank you for everybody who's gotten together with our our little welcome packet we've been putting together. But one of the very first things I tell our interns, and you can ask her when she gets here, I say, fail fast, fail often, fail cheap. I emphasize that last one. Like, if you're gonna fail, it's great. Just do it on a budget, please. And I tell them, "I, I won't be upset with you if you fail. I'm not going to be upset. I will be upset if you fail at the same thing over and over again because it's just showing you're not learning from it. But fail fast, fail often, fail cheap because there's a lot of benefits to failing. Let's, I'm going to quickly breeze through those real quick. Number one, fear of failing. Failure teaches us what doesn't work. What doesn't work. When I attempted to change my oil and drained my transmission fluid, and overfilled my oil. All of our Easter folks, you know the story. I'm not going to do that again. (laughs) I learned from my failure. Failure allows us to redefine our priorities. You know, sometimes, someone told me this one time, whenever I was young and praying and trying to figure out why isn't God answering my prayers, they said, you know, God can answer no as well and it forces us to redefine what is a priority in our life. My son, Arlo, who's one, is also learning that no is an answer, which is a fun adventure that we're on right now. Failure promotes humility. You've all heard of the Titanic. This magnificent ship at its time surpassed all engineering in its day. The engineers actually said not even God himself could sink this ship. It wasn't until their first voyage that they found out the, fou- the, the failed logic in that. Now, you may not have heard of the sister ship, the Olympic, that was built, same tenacity, same extreme measures, but didn't sh- sink. In fact, it sailed for 20 years, taking thousands of people across the Atlantic. And I think part of its success was because early on in the Olympic's career, it hit another ship two large holes in the ship, and very quickly, the captain and the, and the staff and the team knew this ship can't go to the bottom of the ocean. You know, recent research on humility found that failure early in a leader's career is associated with higher levels of humility, which correlates into better leadership. Like, there is something about early failure that allows the leader to view themselves as fallible, to improve their teachability, their willingness to see themselves accurately, to trust and desire the input of other people. Failure promotes humility, and then the last is failure forces us to rely on God. It's, n- it's not normally until my biggest failures in life that I recognize my dependence on God. And then finally, let's go to number four, the fourth truth of how we can harness failure in our life, not be paralyzed by it. No matter how many times Abraham failed, God was faithful. Amen? Amen? God was faithful. One of the greatest promises in the story of the Bible is that God promised Abraham he would have a son. That son would go on to be a nation. That nation would go on to be a blessing to all humanity. And no matter how many times Abraham failed, no matter how many times he let God down, He crushed his end of the deal in the bad way. God was faithful. Abraham and Sarah, they would have a son. His name would be Isaac. And through Isaac and more of his children, there would be born the nation of Israel. And it's from the nation of Israel that eventually the Savior Jesus would be born into the world and bless all of humanity. The promise to Abraham was fulfilled. God was faithful. And the great lesson to be learned from Abraham's failure can be summed up well by the Apostle Paul, who said, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Abraham did not deserve to have the storybook ending that we'll talk about later on in the series. He didn't deserve to have redemption after The debacle with his nephew Lot and this failure early on. He didn't deserve to have a wife after denying her two times. He didn't deserve to have a child of his own after abusing his servant to obtain that child. And likewise, we have to remember that our walk with God is not dependent on our faithfulness, but because God is continuously faithful to us. Romans 8 28. And we know that in all things, all things, good and bad, circumstantial and consequential, in all things, God works out for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, that's not a promise for everybody. If you're running in the opposite direction of God, I can guarantee God's not going to work things out in that direction. He did it for Abraham. He did it for example, the prophet Jonah. He won't for you. But think about this. Look at this verse. If you love God, if you are pursuing God, His wisdom, His direction in your life, and then you fail at some venture, you fail a business, you fail at sharing your faith, God promises to work it out for good. Does that mean it's guaranteed success? Absolutely not. But He promises that all things will work out to their best result through Him. My goal today was not to skip that slide. My goal today was to help you find a place in God's story that's not a posture of fear, specifically the fear of failing. The fear of failing, it keeps us from taking risks. And if you're not taking risks, you don't need faith. And if you're not depending on faith, then you are living faithless. And if you can take away anything from Abraham's story this morning, let it be that Abraham was a man of many failures, but he worshipped a god of faithfulness, and so do you. So do you. I want to conclude with three verses, three truths you need to hear today. Philippians four thirteen I can do all through I can do all of this through Christ, who gives me strength. My faith is not in my own power. My faith is in Christ's power that lives inside of me. And when I finally know what I'm being called to do, like Abraham eventually got to, I'm not going to go do it in my power. I'm going to do it in Christ's power who gives me the strength to do it, which should give me a temperament of, of courage, not fear. I was like, what's not fear? Courage. There it is. Of, of courage because it's God's power. He will make me unafraid because God gives me the power to do the thing that God has set me out to do. Look at this promise, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And you can go to the bank with that one, friends. God cannot lie. The Vero Beach Church of Christ, we are a church of big dreams. We have big, big dreams moving forward as a church in this community. If you've been around, you've heard of the growth track, which is just part of those dreams. If you haven't heard of the growth track, you'll hear about it more in the coming month, I promise. And if you're going to be a part of this family, this church family, we need you to learn to dream big with us. If you're going to take away anything from this lesson this week, I want you to dream great dreams for God this week. I dare you, dream great dreams for God this week. What do you want to see happen in your life by the end of this year? Dream great dreams for God. Who do you want to share the message of Jesus with? Dream great dreams. How far out of your comfort zone are you willing to go for Jesus? When will fear stop hindering you from the plans God has in your life? What would you attempt for God if you knew you couldn't fail? Just, just let that question expand your heart and your mind this week. Because God says, I will give you the strength. I'll give you the strength. Last verse. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. It does not make us afraid. But gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So, what I want to say to you as a conclusion, as somebody who loves you, as your minister who prays over you every single week, God is not done with you. I don't care what you've been through, how many times you've failed, God is not done with you. Do all things in faith, do all things with love. And no matter the outcome, you've already succeeded. That is your proper place in God's story, a posture of courage and not fear, fully trusting in what God will do.